welcome to the Big Kids Book Club. A podcast about all things fictional, from middle grade to young adult. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of the Big Kids Book Club. My name is Marcus and I'm your host and joining me on the show today, we have author illustrator, best known for bringing to life the Horrible History series, Martin Brown. Welcome to the show. Hello, um, hello and how are you? I'm very good. Shall I say good day? Good day, yeah, it's uh, uh, taking me back to my roots. (laughs) (laughs) But it's lovely to have you on the show, Martin, and you are brand new to the show, so we'd love to get to know you a little bit better. So if you want to just give us a quick introduction, a sort of whistle-stop tour of your sort of career so far and how you got into writing. Oh, golly. Uh, Well, I grew up in Australia, in Melbourne, always liked art at school, kind of wanted to do that as a grown-up job but didn't know how. What I really loved was cartooning. Thought cartooning would be the best job. We used to look at all the cartoons in the newspapers, the editorial cartoons, the strip cartoons, and uh, I had no idea how that would happen. Um, Then did a few years at a teacher training course at college, realized that becoming a teacher was way too much like hard work. I have nothing but respect for teachers now, my goodness me. Uh, And so then ended up trying to be an actor, which failed miserably. Then I worked in a television studio. And then I did what all Australians do. I threw on a backpack and went to see the world. And while I was in London, I was working for the London Graphic Centre. And suddenly at my fingertips were all the names and addresses of every publisher, every ad agency, every design agency, in London, one of the great publishing capitals of the world, and also the finest art materials that money could buy. So I thought, well, look, if I don't have a go at being a cartoonist now, then when? So I, one day I, called, <laughs> I quit my job and called myself a cartoonist. And then, um, and then I <laughs> spent six months on the doll. But it, it, it turned around eventually. Yes, it could be said, obviously, I mentioned it there in the introduction, the one that the sort of the big break and the one that you're probably most famous for is Horrible Histories. I mean, it is a phenomena is one way to address it, I would say. Yeah, I've been remarkably lucky. Uh, if if we'd known then what we know now, <laughs> I might have relaxed a bit. But it was it was it was great. Yeah, it was it was one of the. Uh, I did a, a, a children's series with the same publishers before the horrible histories called coping with you know, coping with pe- uh, teachers coping with parents coping with boys and girls and it was great fun and i thought that was going to be the you know the thing that would, would have legs and the horrible histories came along and i thought yeah well I'll, I'll, I'll do that too um yeah little did we know yeah absolutely i mean it's one of those things that you can't really ever say what is going to be a hit and what's not but obviously it's giving you an amazing platform to then reach out and do some of your own stuff stuff like lesser spotted animals and i wanted to ask about this because it was such a cute one when i sort of came across it where was the idea for for lesser spotted animals and i don't know if you want to just tell us a little bit about it in case our listeners haven't heard of it well less spotted animals is it's a shameless pr job for a whole bunch of animals that no one ever hears about it, it struck me years ago uh, that if you're famous or cute and you're an animal, 
chances are that you'll be on a t-shirt or you'll have television programs made about you or, or children's picture books, lots of bears, lots of tigers, lots of lions. And I thought, well, what about all the others? What about you know, the other guys? Even as a kid growing up in Australia, I, when I learned that there were 50 different species of kangaroo or kangaroo and wallaby, I kind of thought, what? But how? But surely that's, and you start delving into this, you start to have a look and you realize just how wonderful and broad nature is. And, and then, it, you know, there was a lot of uh, press about some species that were needed saving, but of course they were the cute ones. And if the tiger was going extinct, it, and it would be a massive tragedy. There'd be campaigns and millions of pounds would be spent. It would be a real thing. But if the Illy Pica was going extinct, no one would give her monkeys because no one's ever heard of it. So, and that's sort of cute and wonderful as well. So I, I just sort of thought it's, it's time to big up some of these guys that never get a mention. Yeah, absolutely love that. And the idea that, you know, all these sort of smaller animals, obviously, Australia is a brilliant one because Australia has so many species that most people aren't aware of. But you're right. The fact is kind of interesting that we have all these lions and tigers and bears, which are rather dangerous animals that we sort of <laughs> cut cutify. Yet that you have these sometimes these very small sort of like mammals, which would be more akin to your your cat or rabbit or, or guinea pig, which are more cute. But yeah, like you say, they just don't get a look in because they're either very endangered or they live in a very small biodiverse area of the world so they just don't get a look in it's, it's just too many of them if i asked everyone to name as many mammals as they could possibly think up in the next five minutes you'd get to about 30 40 50 maybe if you're paying attention to david attenborough there are five thousand maybe five thousand five hundred there are 282 different sorts of squirrel alone and some of them are just stunning. And they're not rare, necessarily. They're just, they just don't make it into the books. That Illy Piker I mentioned before should be in books. You see a lot of rabbits. You, see, you know, well, guess how much I love you is all about, you know, bunnies. But the Illy Piker is a relative of a rabbit. It lives in the mountains. It's got much smaller ears. So it's about the size of a guinea pig. So it's a guinea pig-sized rabbit with little round ears. It's deeply fluffy. And unlike the rabbits, they have a voice. They have this sweet little eep sound. And they should be in all the books. But um, with global warming, where they live, that, those ice caps are shrinking. So we could live in a world, if they're not careful, where the Illy Piker, and the other pikers for that matter, just aren't around anymore. So listeners, check out the pikers. Absolutely. And if you are after more cute animal companions i think that's going to move us quite nicely onto your latest creation which is nell and the cave bear uh, martin do you want to tell us a little bit about where this idea came from and maybe talk to us a little bit about the book uh thank you i well i it, it's one of those ideas that's been kicking around forever um and it's it's fiction see i'm not my the world i swim in the, the lake i swim in is is non-fiction we i i've never had any intention of dabbling in made-up stuff. Uh, we, we say nonfiction has the best stories. That's why horrible histories are so fascinating. That's why the lesser spotted animals are so amazing because the stories, the historical 
characters can tell and the stories the animals can tell are just so fabulous. But I, I, I did have this idea for a picture book. It was even a non-fiction book back in the day. It was this sort of idea of how you could explain how the water cycle worked from you know, a drop from some snow melt on a mountain would end up going down a stream and into the sea. But I built a narrative around that. And it ended up that the narrative was more interesting than the geography. But it was a picture book. It was going to be like a graphic picture book um, for slightly older kids. And then I found out that slightly older kids' picture books don't exist. It's, it's, we're very niche, you see. Uh, and so the picture books for big kids are not a thing. So I, I sort of still love the story. So I thought I'd just write it out and, and, and see how it, uh, how, it, uh, how it went. And of course, more things happen. There's more adventure. You can explain more about the world that she lives in. It's about a, a, a little cave girl, uh, sort of roughly 10,000 years ago, but not correctly so because even though there are mammoths in the book, probably by then they were only in Siberia and probably there wouldn't have been any cave bears left. So it's not, you know, it's a bit of a divergence from my non-fiction factual, you know, background. And um, yeah, Nell overhears the elders in her clan uh, think about getting rid of cave bear because I'm not quite sure what's going to happen when a little cave bear grows up to be quite a big cave bear. So uh, she hears this and, and, and they run away together and then have they have this little adventure. Yeah, now when you mentioned the, the water cycle, I can definitely see now that second half of the narrative sort of make a lot more sense. <laughs> uh, really interesting for that one itself. I also love the way you sort of manipulate some of the, the names, like uh, stuff like Fiona was like F-E-E-O-N-A and like uh, Ken was uh, K-E-H-N and, and sort of Liam. Uh, really yeah. love stuff of like that. Where did you uh, come up with the idea? Because there was lots of different tribes in the book or clans. So there's the forest clan, the cave clan. And obviously one of the things that kicks off the book is the cave clan where Nell and the cave bear live are going to get a visit from the sea clan. Mm -hmm. So I wonder where the clans came from. Well, I, I wanted the, to live in a world that was familiar and uh, sort of familiar in both sense of the word, I suppose, because the, the clans are family. Uh, we might come to the next book later on. I, I've only done the first draft, so what actually happens, I don't know. But there's a bit more of an explanation of, of where they all came from, because clans are basically just families. So, and you know, your family is so precious to you and you're so familiar with it, but they can also be a bit annoying sometimes so was that that was that familiarity that I wanted that that clan group that tribal group and they say it takes a village to raise a child and I, I sort of wanted part of that as well that everybody looks out for each other everyone looks out for everyone else yeah so uh and, and then the the other tribes were just a sort of extended family I suppose a part of part of this world that she grew up in Oh, I love that. And obviously, with you said you had that sort of sort of sidestep from uh, sort of, I'd say, rock solid history, which is quite funny when you're considering this sort of Stone Age civilization. But, uh, you know, did you did you find that the background in sort of, you know, doing a lot of history, the horrible histories and stuff like that, that you, you felt a bit at ease putting Nell in this 
say I'd say this more sort of like prehistoric timeline rather than maybe at a different point in time or making it say a fantasy? Yeah, well, it's a really good question. I, I suppose it was more comfortable because the facts are blurry, which helps. I mean, uh, there are some real factual inaccuracies in the book. You know, the, the, the cave clan is sort of set in a time uh, sort of many thousand years ago, but the sea clan kind of live by the sea in huts and go fishing in boats. So then they quite line up in a chronological way. Uh, but yeah, as soon as you get into history, then you, I suppose you, you're obliged to abide by certain facts, if it was a Tudor mystery or anything else. Um, but also the, the, that whole era is, fascinates me. It's, it's, we lived through extraordinary times, the end of the Stone Age or during the Stone Age that you know we, we came through it you know reasonably okay and then all the civilization came along and ruined everything but it, it it's um it, it allowed a bit of leeway but it was fun to do a bit of research as well and it kind of build a world that was familiar to us because we, we we sort of all know about cave people or neanderthals or i was careful not to label anyone being neanderthal or homo sapiens or any sort of culture that can be checked checked up on you know they're not even european necessarily i didn't want any labels as such it's just a kind of generic olden times mm. yeah no i find that really fascinating it was just made it so easy to get to know uh nell and the cave band it was quite sweet because obviously really the the crux of this story is a relationship between this girl and her bear so I wondered obviously you say there's sort of I guess the DNA of this story is this old uh, geography based sort of like narrative you're trying to tell but Nell and the cave bear has such a more sort of middle grade heart to it I wonder at what process you sort of had that spark of imagination to add Nell and the cave bear well they were the so they would be the back in the days when it was uh, a, a non-fiction idea. It wasn't even a book. But I thought a nice way to talk about uh, an idea, you know, that we, we say glibly, that the fun of the thing is in the fact of the thing. So that if, if you can talk about something that's factual, but do it in a way that's fun, you can go a long way. And the whole history have shown that, and hopefully the animal book as well. But I, so the, so Nell and her, sidekick cave bear were, were like innocents they were the they were people who knew nothing about you know they were obviously comfortable with the world around them but they didn't know anything about science you know they, they were you know stone age so for her where the water went would be a, a total mystery so by following an i don't want to call it ignorant but but by following an innocent person down the river it, it kind of, it would, we'd see the world through her eyes. And, and like I said before, that seemed like such a lovely thing anyway, that they became the focus. And they're, they're quite an innocent couple. She just loves her pet and doesn't want to be separated from it. And everything rolls on from there. Yeah, it's so sweet. Absolutely loved it. I had a great time reading this. And of course, 
this for me is what I call the perfect bedtime book. Like, you know, reading it to the family and whatnot, you know, kids and stuff like that. I think it would be a great one. But it's also quite accessible. So that way, if you have any like early readers who are confident to read it, you can just give it to them and they can just run off with it, which is really lovely to see. It's got that option that you can basically play on it on both sides. So if your kids are slightly younger, it's a beautiful story you can tell them. Or if they're slightly older, it's something they can experience for themselves. But Obviously, you are author illustrator, and this always comes to the question: which side of the, uh, the sort of the workshop do you prefer? Oh, crikey, that's a million-dollar question. Um, I am <laughs> I am comfortable, obviously, having you know, drawn throughout my career. I know what I want things to look like more easily or more comfortably than I know how to make things sound on the written page. Having said that, I really love the writing. I thought this is great. So much so, I gotta say, I wonder what the fuss is about. Oh, the way writers bang on about, oh, I'm tortured writer. Oh, I've got writer's block. Try being an illustrator. I mean, you know, do some real work for a change. You know, writers bang out a book in a few weeks. Illustration, the illustrations for these books took so much longer. I know I'm slow, but still, I mean, guys, come on. Um, so yeah, if you want to do some hard work, take up illustrating and, uh, and then come back to me about writing. <laughs> <Somewhat. laughs> no, I'm offended half your audience. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, but no, absolutely. It's, it's fine. It's, it's interesting just to see that both sides of it. Obviously we have a lot of writers on the show. We've had a couple of other sort of author illustrators. So it's always just interesting to see which side of the coin people end up on. So, uh, interesting but I think you've, <laughs> you've already teased my next part, part that I want to go into which is you said mentioned earlier about something a first draft for another book and I was going to ask you is there any future for for Nell and her cave bear that we are going to get to see well yeah it, it started off as a as a um well I had kind of had three narratives you know one was a dead cert and that's the one that kind of wrote itself and the, the next one I, I kind of knew what I wanted to do with it. It almost ran on from the first story, but then you've got that thing about how standalone it should be, because someone might pick up the second book first. So there was a discussion with the, uh, the lovely people at Piccadilly um, saying, you know, how much standalone it should be, and you know, how much it could, could kind of just be uh, a continuation of the story. And it's, it's both. I mean, it's, it's, some people would like a, a brand new story. Some people like the familiarity of familiar characters or the same characters and, and um, you know, a similar plot line. And there's a, a third idea, which is sort of tags on at the end, which might tie everything up at the end. But so far, it's, it's only two books. So uh, the first one's out. The second one, I would say first draft. I don't know, because I mean, everything I've written might end up on the cutting room floor. So, I, you know, I'd like to talk about it, but I'm not sure everything I've written might just go, yeah, yeah, try something else. <laughs> but we definitely got book two coming so it is yes and some of the same characters and some of the same baddies oh, interesting interesting we'll let you guys uh, pick up a copy of Nell and the Cave Bear to find out what hints we're sort of gleaming at but absolutely fantastic book like I said perfect for reading to little ones or letting little ones explore it themselves so absolutely fascinating and this has been fascinating but boy are we rocketing through this interview because we've come to the competition yes competition time lovely listeners it's time for one of you guys to win a copy of Nell and Cave Bear that book we've just been talking about 
And if you want to get your greasy mitts on it, all you have to do is follow these simple instructions. You want to head over to our Twitter, that's at Big Kids Book Club, all one long lovely word. And while you're there, you can be hitting us up with the hashtag NellComp. Nell Comp, that's N-E-L-L Comp, um, and that's the hashtag we want you to use, along with this quizzy question, which is obviously, Cave Bear is Nell's best friend. But if you could have an animal best friend, an animal sidekick to uh, go alongside you on your adventures, what would it be? Martin, if you could have any animal sidekick, uh, what would you have? Obviously, you've just written about these, you've written books about wonderful, undiscovered or unrepresented animals is there one of those that's going to make an appearance maybe a numbat or yeah. a cerilla god numbat would be sweet because they're so cute um oh, there's a wonderful thing called the southern right whale dolphin which is look just look it up guys it, it is just the most extraordinary thing you've ever seen when you see one you will say why wasn't i told but <laughs> dolphin that's hard to sort of take to school you know it's, you need a lot of water um the number, it's not a bad idea, actually, but there's a, a, a chap that features in the next Nell book, possibly, um, slightly extinct. Does that matter? I just think if you tracked up to school with a woolly wine rhinoceros, that would be uh, a conversation stopper. Certainly one way to make an entrance. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I think for me, uh, I, I kind of almost want to have like a, a chimpanzee or some sort of uh, monkey, something that possibly mm. could just go have tea and actually just, you know, they're quite intelligent. So, you know, you could almost imagine, you know, could learn sign language and we can chat and stuff like yeah. that. I don't know. A mama set on your shoulder. Wouldn't that be good? <gasps> oh, that'd be quite cool. Yeah. And they're so gorgeous. And there's, you know, they're, yeah, they're not altogether safe in the wild. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're just, I mean, they could just, they wouldn't take up a lot of room, they wouldn't eat much. They are some great ideas from me and Martin. But what is your idea? Tell us with that hashtag, NellComp, at Big Kids Book Club, and you could be in a chance of winning a copy of Nell and the Cave Bear. How does that sound, Martin? I, it sounds wonderful. I mean, uh, can I enter? <laughs> <laughs> oh slight biases there but you guys can enter please jump on that as uh, it's a fantastic book and this has been a fantastic interview but we have got to the end martin i'm afraid so oh. it's time for us to say goodbye but i'm not gonna let you go anywhere until you let the lovely listeners know how they can find out more about you and your books is there a website or some social media they can head up to uh, well i guess yes there's uh, my website which is martin brown illustrator i'm on twitter martin hh brown uh, that's the trouble with having a name like Martin Brown. You've got to do something to it because there's billions of us. I'm on Insta and Facebook, Martin Brown, uh, author, illustrator, I think, for Facebook. I Yeah, I, I try to keep up with the socials as much as I can. Yeah, well, fine. but poorly, it has to be said. <laughs> but you are there. You can find martin there go send him all the wishes you can so that's all the time we have for today unfortunately but we are going to say goodbye there but it's been an amazing fantastic episode martin thank you so much for joining us no thank you it's been an absolute pleasure and to you lovely listeners we hope you enjoyed it remember you can find out more about us at big kids book club you're going to go there anyway to enter the competition obviously we can also head over to our new shiny website that's bigkidsbookclub.com uh, and you can find out more stuff there where we have slightly more content more 
uh, sort of bookish teasers and sort of like articles if you prefer a slightly more written form of your bookish news well that's all the time we have for so until next time all i have to say to you is to take care to stay safe but most importantly of all to keep on reading